0: Well, it's uh, nice to be with you again. seems it's been quite a while this time. It, um, we're still busy with uh, ministry at Curved Lake First Nation. And uh, we thank you for your prayers and support. And encouragement along that line. It's a small congregation, but enjoyable. We have about 20 people each Sunday. And um, just recently we had a funeral and the church was packed out. There was over 200 people there. And several people came to me and said, wouldn't it be nice to see this on Sunday morning? <laughs> I said, yeah, that'd be nice, but <laughs> be content with what we've got. So. Uh, but we appreciate your support. And your we have uh, really good news there, too. Within that Last October, uh, we uh, acquired an associate pastor. And makes uh, means that I can over two or three years, fade out of the picture. Let him take over. He's only in his early thirties, and I'm pushing seventy-five. So, <laughs> about time to move over. I think so. We're glad he's come. He's, he's a wonderful man and well, well, uh, well-trained, and and he's willing and he just grabs hold of stuff. and And the, the Lord was a real blessing in him this this winter because uh, some of you knew it back in November. I came down with illness, and and if it, I, the Christmas season is stressful enough, but to be sick in the Christmas season and not able to do things is worse. And, and the new associate pastor named Ben. Ben just took over. I didn't have to do a thing. <laughs> he just uh, took over as if he'd been there all his life. So we just thank God for him and for his work at Curb Lake. If you want to talk about native ministry in Canada, always have time for a chat and see what God's doing. Now it's a month away till we come to Good Friday, and a lot of people have questions about Good Friday. How do you how do you celebrate Good Friday? Um, most of us think of having a somber service uh, ending on the note of Christ's death and waiting till Sunday for the resurrection and that's a good pattern but we had an unusual circumstance at Curve Lake uh, long before we came on the scene and I don't know how far back it goes the chief and council provide good Friday morning not a service but A great big breakfast, an Easter egg hunt, and a contest for the most elaborate Easter bonnets, and all kinds of fun things. It's just food and fun. Now, as a church, what were we supposed to do with that? We usually think Good Friday to have a sober service and celebrate the, the death of Christ and... We've made a point in, in our work at Curve Lake not to overlap with the church with the uh, chief and council. If they provide a certain program and we stay away from it, we, we participate if we can, but we don't put something. Uh, conflicting with it. We don't put something on the same day on purpose. And, and so we decided to just go along with breakfast. I like good food. So we just go to the breakfast, and I don't wear an Easter Bunny hat, but but uh, we, we have a good breakfast, and we have lots of fun. And between things happening, we walk around and greet people, talk to people, get to know them, and get to get a little touch in the community. And then, at night, we have our Good Friday service. And uh, there's a United Church meets at Curve Lake, too, and so for Good Friday, we join together and have one service on Friday night. So we're dealing with Good Friday in, in uh, trying to cooperate with the community, trying to cooperate with the other church, trying to celebrate Jesus. But a lot of people have trouble with Curve, with with um, Good Friday. Uh, they have, why all that violence and bloodshed? You remember a few years ago, Mel Gibson made the movie, The Passion of the Christ. The, the word passion in ancient English means suffering. And the movie focuses on the suffering of Christ and it's very, very graphic. And some people just turned away. Didn't want to face that. Why why did God cause Jesus to suffer so? And suffer he did. But maybe we should go back farther than that and ask. Why did Jesus come to earth the way he did? Why did he come here and then stay on earth for thirty-three years? And Most of that time he experienced more poverty than riches. We don't know very much about those 30 years, but there's no sign that Jesus was in any way a comfortable life. And yet he stayed here on earth for all that time. Well, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. I've thought of a few. I think number one, Jesus came to earth to show us God, to reveal to us what God is like, to show God up close and personal. And also Jesus came to earth to enter into our humanity. He put on humanity like we would put on our coat and wrapped himself in humanity and he came to identify as a human. And he, he became totally human and totally God at the same time. And in that humanness, he's able to bring us salvation. He could die in our place. He could be God's sacrifice for us. I'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter fifty-three. Isaiah chapter fifty-three, and just we want to read through this and think on these topics. It says, first verse, first one, verse one of chapter fifty-three: "Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot." And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by people. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus came into the world to experience with us our suffering. Notice verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Most of us, somewhere along the line, face different kinds of suffering. Sometimes like this verse talks about being despised and rejected by other people. There are many forms of that. Or sorrow, the sorrow that marks our life as Christians. Or suffering in all its many forms, physical, emotional, relational. Jesus entered into our suffering. He became part of all the complexity of human relationships. This, he, he came into life, and in life he saw the goodness of life and the suffering of life. This passage is dealing with the suffering. There are many other passages where it talks about how Jesus entered into the joy of life. But he enters for sure into our suffering. And that's part of how he came to bring us Salvation. And then in verse 4 through 6, it says that, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace is upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The first paragraph was about suffering and how Jesus entered into that suffering with us. The second paragraph is on substitution. Jesus entered into our humanity and substituted himself for us when we are Condemned us with sin. I'd like to have us read that paragraph together. And I'd like you to emphasize the plural pronoun. Put a little umph into the plural pronoun at the end of each of those sentences. Read, read along with me, please. Surely he took up our infirmities, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God into our humanness and amazingly willingly became our substitute that the punishment that God had for the whole world ended up on Jesus and he suffered in his own body but he suffered also as our substitute and how we need to recognize that and take that substitution as God's gift of grace to us all. And Then the third paragraph, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Jesus not only came into our humanity, but he came in with a submissive spirit he was submissive to the will and plan of god and he he allowed more than allowed he entered in willingly and graciously into all that god had planned to provide salvation for humanity and that will that will come in victory again verse 10 Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life under death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and he made trans- intercession for the transgressors. He will s- he will go through the time of suffering, and then he will emerge victorious, exalted, providing eternal salvation for all who believe in him. So, between now and Good Friday, I trust you'll take this passage and read it a few times. Think on it. Mull it over. See in in this passage the suffering of Christ. The substitution of his Righteousness for you and you earn my wickedness. See in Christ that submissive spirit that would sacrifice everything to do the will of God, and then to see victorious salvation. Christ will come again, this time not to bear sin but to bring salvation. So, how do we respond to this? I think it's good to have a good Friday service. That's one way to respond. But I have some more here. I think we think about the suffering of Christ. And that we need to believe that Jesus has entered into our human suffering. Read the scriptures. Meditate on them. And see again and again. The suffering that Christ has entered into. And so when we see suffering in our life. We know Christ has entered into suffering. For us. And we tend to always run from suffering. We try everything possible to get out of it. But I encourage you to think a little deeply on that. I think it's appropriate for people who believe in Jesus that we look that Christ has borne our suffering. He has entered into our suffering. Now we can face suffering with conviction, with calmness. It doesn't take the suffering away. But it helps us to enter in and face face the suffering we have to live with. You know what? My experience is that when we're willing to face the suffering we often find God in the midst of our suffering. I like to put it that suffering is a good place to meet God. It's not the only place to meet God. It's not the only way to meet God, praise the Lord. But in the midst of our suffering if we look at Jesus and His suffering and enter into it with him, we will often find the presence and the power of God in the midst of our suffering. So believe that Jesus is the one who suffered for us and then intentionally look into into our suffering and find and meet our God. Number two, believe that Jesus has already become your substitute. You don't have to bear your sin. Jesus already substituted himself for it. and It isn't something you have to make happen. It's something that he did already. He substituted himself for us. And so our response is to believe in the substitution of Jesus Christ. And, the, and then realize that all our sins, all our cares, all our mistakes, all our failures are already on Jesus. He can carry that. He can carry all of our evil, all of our wrong, everything that we wish never happened. He carries that. And again, our, our response is to enter into that. And at first I wrote in my notes, To put our sins and our cares and our failures on Jesus. And then I stroked it out. I said, it's already there. All we have to do is believe it's there. That he is our substitute. And everything that we wish to be forgiven of is already forgiven. We just need to recognize it. Believe that Jesus is your substitute. Number three. Believe that Jesus, by his perfect submission, has shown us the way to walk with God. Meditate on that passage, on the submissive submissive spirit of Jesus Christ. Here is one who is God himself, came into our world and took on human flesh, and became submissive unto death, even death on the cross. Again, it's not something we make happen. It's something that already is. And our response is to believe in it. And to believe in in Christ's submission is to practice submission yourself. Submission is one of the most difficult things for us Christians to live with. To have a heart that lets God have the control. To have a a spirit that lets the Holy Spirit make the directions of our lives. The human spirit, in its natural state, wants to be in control. Some people express that more diligently than others. But Jesus gave up control. Became submissive to to the the plan of God. Became submissive to his Father and to the Holy Spirit. And we need to believe in the submission of Jesus Christ. Believe it enough that we submit ourselves. Submit ourselves to Jesus Christ and live in obedience and joy. Number four, believe that Jesus is risen, exalted, victorious. And he provides eternal salvation. Christ's suffering cleared the way for perfect salvation. And he has already provided us with salvation. By faith we accept that salvation. And by faith we enter into living in the victorious, exalted Jesus Christ. Only a month away to good Friday. I trust that you'll take this passage and think on it, meditate on it. Find in Jesus Christ his response to suffering. Find in Jesus Christ the substitution. He bears all our sins, carries them away. Find in Jesus Christ Let it color your own heart to have submission like Jesus. And then with joy, enter into the salvation of Jesus Christ. Turn to him and be saved.